do this stuff. Um, you know, we, we first started, it was an idea. And I think most things start as an idea. It starts with something in your brain. Right. So me and my dad, we're sitting at the bar and having a beer. <laughs> Where most ideas happen. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and he says, hey, Joe. We should climb a mountain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm, that sounds interesting. That was five minutes after that we should start a bar conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're actually at his bar. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. So that he didn't need to do that. He yeah. already did that one. So, so it was like, if I climbed Kilimanjaro, would you come with me? I was like, yeah, sure. What the heck? I, I wasn't sure we were serious or not. And um, a year later, there we were. All right, you guys ready? Sounds great. Start the show. Here we go. Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. All right. Welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. And today on the show, we have Joe Matz. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So we're also in the new studio again, which is fun. Welcome back, folks. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in some podcasting services and you're in Cary, we got a setup that we need to talk about. It's so you can jamming. just email us at info at guys who do stuff. And we're just really excited to be partnering with uh, Vibe here in Cary in the Carytown Mall. <laughs> is it Carytown Mall or Carytown Center? I don't know. I think it's Carytown Center. Interesting. Well, yeah. everybody knows it as Carytown Mall or Carytown Center. So yeah. either way, whatever you know it do you, is. Are you guys, do you guys binge watch stuff on Netflix or are you guys... No. As binge watchers. Oh binge. yeah, of course. So I don't know if you've seen the new Stranger Things, but it's set like in an '80s mall. You know where that's. <laughs> you know where that's where the writers from, right? Uh, I don't. Durham, and you know the references, especially in this season, Jordan Lake, places around here. You. Oh, hear I heard a Jordan while. Lake. I just assumed it was something it, it's else. It's all here, bro. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So oh, that's for cool. all you international listeners who like Stranger Things, yeah, man, check that out. We are what's up, <laughs> the Triangle, North Carolina, folks. That's amazing. Well, man, we're excited to talk to you, Joe, today. Uh, start out just by telling us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in the Triangle? I've been in the Triangle about six years. Came here from the coast. I was in a little town called Sneeds Ferry. And if, if you've never heard of Sneeds Ferry, it's about as small as it sounds. Yeah, it does sound like a, <laughs> like a quintessential small town. It's named after Mr. Sneed. And you know what Mr. Sneed did? What? He made a ferry? He ran the ferry. Oh, hey, very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so they named the town after Mr. Sneed, who yeah. ran the ferry. How many people live in Sneed Ferry? Oh, gosh. 3,000, maybe. What's the closest uh, city to it out on the coast? It's, it's right between Wilmington and oh, okay. Jacksonville. So Ooh. is it on the beach? Yeah. I mean, it it's is, got a ferry. It's behind Topsail Island. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. The little known place behind Topsail. So is it, was it like a vacation town? It's pretty laid back. It, it's kind of like a small little drinking town with a fishing problem. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. But really great people. I mean, it's it's a fantastic place. Yeah. And, uh, Topsail Island is right there. Great place to vacation. Real quiet. Uh, good for families. Yeah. Mm. And before that, you were, I, I know this from talking to you in the past, like you spent time overseas. Right. Yeah. I was overseas for 18 years. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got out of college and I was working where I wanted to work, doing what I wanted to do. And a fellow came to me and said, Joe, how about you be my eyes in Italy? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, he's starting a business in Italy and he didn't and did he sound someone. like this. Oh, why don't you be my eyes? And exactly. <laughs> it was an offer I couldn't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ended up going to Italy five months out of college and um, ended up running the sales organization there. And then when they wanted to expand to South America, 
They asked me to go and run the office in South America. So I went to Brazil, uh, just newly married. My children were born in South America. So I left Italy. Well, when I left the U.S., I didn't speak Italian. So I went to Italy and I learned Italian. As I was getting comfortable with Italian, then I go to Brazil where I don't know anybody and <laughs> don't speak the language. So when you moved to Italy, I'm curious, did you hire like a language coach or did you just straight up immersion, Rosetta Stone, study at night? I, I bought some tapes um, in the U.S. because I only had a month's uh, notice. Okay. It was like, let's, uh, the, the, so the really initial not conversation was not anything. No, not at all. <laughs> the initial conversation was in October, uh, November 4th. I was in Italy. Man, that's such a cool adventure. I mean, it that, was you had to cool. been really excited as a young man. I really was. And like, I'm going to Italy. What's in Italy? I'm not sure, but it's going to be awesome. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So it was really unique. And, you know, I learned to drive in Italy, which haunts me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, what was the nature of the business that you were managing for this uh, mystery man who sounds well, like he's I, in the mob? Yeah, I really wasn't <laughs> managing it. I, I was kind of looking out um, for his interest and it was a distribution business. So they, they brought in American products and set up distribution centers um, throughout Italy. Okay. And then you did similar things when you moved to Brazil? That's right. Okay. That's right. And I set up the business in Brazil and uh, that was just a lot of fun. Brazil yeah. is a, it's a great place. Mm. I've never been. Have you been, Josh? I have not, but I've heard that they have some of the most beautiful people because ships have met there for centuries and that people cross bread. And that's why you get these amazing models out of Brazil. Is that true? I think that's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Sao Paulo is, is a huge city. There's 17 million people in Sao Paulo and it is first world. I mean, there's a financial district that, that looks like Wall Street. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but then two or three blocks away, you've got the favelas where people living in cardboard houses. Mm. So it's a big mix of people. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you dance a lot in Brazil? Like, were you dancing? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Everybody's of course. dancing, right? I mean, I called it dancing. I, I don't think they called it dancing. <laughs> <laughs> they just call it life. <laughs> so if you, if you kind of fast forward to nowadays, I know you, you run your own company. Tell right. us a little bit about that. That's right. I, I run Eagle Business Services. And what I do is help businesses with their strategy, with long-term strategy. So we're looking to build value for businesses. Um, either because the owner wants to have a business that's valuable and more enjoyable to run mm -hmm. or because he wants a business that's valuable and he's planning on exiting out of the business. Right. Um, so we want to build that business that has value to buyers so that it's actually a business that is valuable on the market. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a lot of fun because a lot of business owners are concerned about selling the next widget or selling their next product, getting the next client. Right. And one of the most important sales of business owner will ever make is the sale of his business. Mm -hmm. Most small businesses have 70, 71% of their value of their net worth is the value of their business. Wow. And so we plan a strategy. We make that business um, valuable to buyers on the market. And so have you been uh, part of selling businesses that you started in the past? Have you, are you a bit of a serial entrepreneur? You've started some businesses, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've had a number of different businesses in different areas, just things attracted me and I got involved and sometimes they were hobbies that turned into businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I know we were talking about before building websites Yeah, and I, I just started, uh, somebody got a quote for a website. And they said, hey, Joe, look at this. I got a quote for a website. And I looked at the quote and I'm like, wow, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should do this. And I looked at it. And I, so I gave him a quote that was about half price. Yeah. And I built a website and then someone found out and then I built another website and, and it went on like that. Yeah. Um, I started a language school in Italy. Um, that, that occurred because I, I thought I'd get like a, a traditional job where the boss wasn't two or 3,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. Found out that didn't work very well. 
So I said, hey, if, if this is going to happen, I might as well just teach English. I could teach English. I ended up having seven, seven teachers working for me. And um, we taught English. Uh, they were all mother tongue. And then we, we started teaching English and Spanish and German. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah. And it wasn't been fresh on your mind because you just learned it. Yeah. But like, I'm, here's, here's how know, to do it. I still struggle. <laughs> I still struggle with English. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the, one of the fun things was that um, in the summer, there was no English classes. You know, Italy's a big peninsula. Everyone loves to go to the beach and, and hang out during the summer. So in the summer, I started a business with some friends of taking tourists up to the mountains mountain bikes. So it was a mountain bike adventure um, for a day or an afternoon. And just yeah. didn't really make a lot of money doing that, but man, we rode bicycles that summer. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's fun. You still ride? I still ride. Yeah. What, what's your riding style? What do you like to ride? What kind of bikes? Well, I, I've got a mountain bike and I've got a road bike. Most oh. recently I've been doing the road bike in this area. Maybe you could get a cross bike and then not ride those Mountain and road bike. You know what I mean? The cross bike, you could just do both. You could do both bike. on a cross bike, yeah. but it's not really excellent on the road. Yeah, and right. it's not really excellent in the, in the mountains. You know where it's trails. excellent is the Greenway trails yes. and especially the American Tobacco Trail, which I've just discovered. It's yeah. amazing. It really is. It's amazing. Oh, we live in a beautiful area here in Raleigh. That they, we do. The greenway and there, there's so many greenways around yeah. and places to ride your bike. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening to this and are considering moving here, don't you're move here. You're one of the eight people in the U.S. that haven't moved to the triangle yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's really super. So back to what you were talking about with uh, Eagle Business Services, you were talking about helping companies or business owners get their business ready to sell. I'm just curious from your perspective, having worked with people like this, what is the one kind of thing that people might be doing wrong when it's, when it comes to making their business attractive for somebody to buy or a succession plan? I think the, the one thing, the major thing they're doing wrong is not thinking about it. Yeah. Most businesses are not prepared to be sold. They're not ready. If you were going to sell your house, you would stage your house, right? Yeah. You got that leaky faucet or you've got that front lawn garden. It doesn't look really well. So, you know, a couple months before you're going to sell your house, you put a few thousand bucks into it right. and, and you don't get to enjoy it, mm -hmm. um, but, the, but it makes it more attractive. I have sold businesses here in the triangle and a lot of people I spoke with when they wanted to list their business at the two things were, were a problem. The business wasn't ready to be sold in a general and, and there's a lot of aspects we could talk about there. Yeah. I know people make that mistake all the time when buying and selling homes. They just, by not doing a couple of simple things, they leave just a ton of money on the table. And uh, I hadn't thought of it like that, but that's interesting to think through. Like as people are thinking about positioning or selling off their business, drawing up your processes, writing them down probably is a huge part of it. Very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, working yourself out of a job. Yeah. I, I have seen businesses where they're dependent on the owner. And if the owner's not there, the business could fall apart. If you can't take a three-week vacation, you're, you're probably not ready to sell your business. Now, depending on the business, of course, right. depending on the business. But um, I made a mistake, and I'm actually writing an article for my next blog is called How I Lost $75,000 Because I Didn't Know. Mm. And this was my language school. What I didn't know is that I could sell it. I didn't know that I had something that was valuable uh, so you to just, be sold. You just left, and when you left, the business left with you. Right. I gave it to the teachers. Oh, okay. I, I, I basically gave it to the seven folks who were working with me, which they really loved it. You know, that was great. Yeah. Is, so where can we find your blog? Is you that on Eagle Business? Services? Eagle Services. Dot com. Dot com. How'd you come up with the name Eagle Business Services? 
Well, it's a long story and it starts, oh boy, we're talking a whole lot about the language school. When I started (laughs) the language school in Italy, I named it Liberty Training. And the symbol symbol was an eagle. I've just always liked eagles. And ever since then, I've I've mostly had eagle in the name of the business. Do you have an eagle tattoo? I actually do, yes. I knew it. (laughs) Where is it, Joe? Uh, um, it's, it's where you wouldn't see it if I was wearing my Italian bathing suit. <laughs> it's supposed to be where you that's, would see it when you're wearing your Italian bathing suit. <laughs> that's as much as the information on that I'll give. Him. I love Italian bathing suits. They just feel great. You get a lot of looks too, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think they're just for Italy though. I don't think you should be rocking. I know, I know. I wore one in, in the Hamptons. Ferry. Sneeze Ferry, not so much, but Brazil and, and Italy, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some people call them Speedos, but call them Italian bathing suits. So Josh and I first met you and I don't know if you're from the triangle, maybe you've heard one of Joe's talks. You give a lot of talks at networking groups and stuff. And we heard you give a talk about things you learned from business, from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Love it. Yeah. Hey, thanks for bringing that up. That was um, a fantastic trip, first of all, to Kilimanjaro. And um, and when I, did you guys take that trip again? About a year ago. Okay. We summited on July 4th, 2018. Okay. So just about a year ago. And um, it was a family trip. So my, my brother, my, my brother-in-law, my sisters, we were all there hiking. And um, there was a lot that I saw when we were hiking and with the organization of that, that relates to business. I mean, we were a team. We were a team. There were eight hikers and we had 46 people helping us get up the mountain. Yeah. We had tents, we had beds, we had cooks, we had a table, we had chairs, we had um, no showers, but we did have bathroom tents. And you, everything we had, you needed people to bring them up the mountain. And so they were walking up the mountains or a team of 46 people to help us get up there. Right. Yeah. So there was a whole lot of planning and organization. And there was, um, you know, we, we first started, it was an idea. And I think most things start as an idea. It starts with something in your brain. Right. So me and my dad, we were sitting at the bar and having a beer. <laughs> Where most ideas happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at me and he says, hey, Joe. We should climb a mountain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, well, um, that sounds interesting. That was five minutes after the we should start a bar conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're actually at his bar. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. So that he conversation- didn't need to do that. He yeah. already did that one. <laughs> so, so it was like, would, if I climbed Kilimanjaro, would you come with me? I was like, yeah, sure. What the heck? I, I wasn't sure we were serious or not. And um, a year later, there we were. Wow. So we started looking at companies. How are we going to get up the mountain? Is it even possible yeah. to get up the mountain? I, we don't, we're not mountain climbers, right? Um, so we had a company that um, continued to feed us information and continued to give us information and let us know what kind of boots we needed to have, what mm. kind of packs we needed to have. They sent brochures. Other companies didn't do that. We had companies didn't even get back to us. Yeah. How long before you, you guys said, we should climb Kilimanjaro before you had given a deposit to the company? Like how long was that window? That was about six months. Wow. Yeah. So they, they kept you, they kept it on the front of your mind by just reaching out all the time and saying, man, these are the boots you need. This is the info you need. Here's more information. And they kept it fresh on your mind, kept that relationship going for six months before. Exactly. Wow. Because a year before the climb, we were not what you might call now buyers. Right. We were possibly maybe potentially going to climb a mountain and they just kept up with the information. Yeah. And um, we just found that they, they were awesome. Absolutely awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. And, um, we met our guide 
when we got to Africa, we met our guide. His name is MC. Hammer. <laughs> I know. That, well, that's what we called him. No kidding. <laughs> he had no that's idea what we were talking he about. He just didn't really like you touching his stuff. He was like, can't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for that joke. Excellent. No, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. So MC sat us down and told us what it was going to do, uh, what how it was going to be. And every day on the mountain, he would take our pulse and our oxygen concentration level. Mm. Um, because if you didn't have the right pulse rate and if you didn't have enough oxygen in your blood, you were going down the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're very secure. Oh, so they had, they had thresholds that they wouldn't let you pass or they would send you back down. Right. Yeah. They had thresholds. They had me a medical team with us. There was always a medical guy there with us. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, we would see stretchers going downhill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were like huge, <laughs> huge baby carriages to bring people down the mountain. That was never a good sight. Yeah. That's not very encouraging. <laughs> Couple more days, guys. Oh, there That's goes right. another three stretchers. That's right. <laughs> but we, we trained. One of the most important things and, and thing you learn is that a, a team really helps. Mm -hmm. And so we distributed throughout the United States um, from, from New Jersey to Texas, North Carolina. But every Sunday night, we would post pictures of our hiking exploits and training. Right. And so... You didn't want to arrive on Sunday night and not have a picture right. of, of yourself hiking somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how we trained. That's how we kept encouraging each other. Yeah. So how would you encourage local businesses to set something like that up for themselves? What have you seen has been successful for people? I've seen uh, masterminds okay. and networking groups um, getting together in business. You're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So I think the exchange of ideas and getting together with other business owners, either physically or online in mm -hmm. a master, mastermind type group or focus group, yeah. I think is really important. Do you offer a mastermind group with a... I do. Group? I'm starting a new one now in September. Can you explain what that is in case somebody doesn't know what mastermind is? It comes from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, right? Originally? Right. Well, yes. Originally, that's where most people have, have learned about it first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a mastermind group is getting people together who have a similar goal, who are involved in a similar activity with a similar goal, and they want to be better at what they're doing. Um, it also takes a little realization that you don't have all the answers. Right. And two brains are better than one brain and you get eight or nine brains together and things can happen. So a lot of what we do in a mastermind group is also brainstorming. And brainstorming just gets everybody together focused on one objective for one person. And we talk about that. And that person is the focus. We're all there to help them. Large corporations have boards of directors. Mm -hmm. Small businesses have masterminds. Oh, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I like that. Because a lot of small businesses don't set up a board yet because they're not there. Right. But the principles of why you should have a board, people holding you accountable, somebody else thinking about the structure, a group of people attacking the idea instead of the Lone Ranger thing. That's that's a good, I like that. Yeah. So I've been members of masterminds and I, and I like to say, hey, I've got this idea. I'm thinking about doing this. Mm-hmm. And people will either encourage me or tear me apart. And I've never been in one before, but I got to imagine they're pretty fun. It's got to be like sitting around talking to people, pitching ideas and, and yes. getting, it's almost a, probably group therapy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be whatever that person needs yeah. at that time. Yeah. So if you have a mastermind group, say a, a typical type of structure, if you've got eight folks in the mastermind group, you might meet for three hours 
And each person gets 20 minutes, yeah. let's say. And they bring up their idea or their challenge, what they might be, be facing that week or that month. They bring it up, explain it, and ideas are shared. And sometimes it, it's almost like a, a scaling activity uh, or building. Uh, you build ideas on top of ideas on top of ideas. Yeah. And you get to something that sounds really nice, that more than what one person could do by, their, by themselves. Are they typically... Um, revolving around a discipline as I've heard of like authors, mastermind groups, like, are they typically a, like a themed type of mastermind group? They're not like generic. I guess there's all kinds of mastermind. Yeah. There would be around. all kinds. Yes. All kinds of very specific to very general. Yes. Yeah. Josh, we should start a podcasting mastermind group in the triangle. Uh, we're going to need more microphones. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually recorded. Yeah. It's just a giant podcast, 400 microphones. <laughs> and uh, it's just going to be terrible to listen to. It's coming soon for the guys yeah. who do stuff. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger space. <laughs> Man. All right. So let's get back to the mountain. So you've been doing some training. You're holding each other accountable. That's important. And now you land in Africa, you meet your guide. What was next? Uh, the meeting of the, the guide meeting. I don't know what we would call it, but that was where he explained what was going to be happening during the day. And he said, this is yeah. the unit we're going to put on your finger and we're going to test your blood alcohol concentration. We're going to test your pulse rate every morning and every evening. Yeah. Um, he introduced us to the words poly poly and poly poly means slow, slow. <laughs> when you're hiking up Mount Kilimanjaro, you don't want to run. This is not a race. It's a marathon. Right. So you go slow. And one of the reasons for that is to acclimate yourself to the new temperature yeah. and the new altitude. We started in the rainforest. We finished on a snow capped mountain. So we went through all of the different temperatures throughout the nine days of hiking. And we experienced the, the effect of altitude. Mm -hmm. So the slower you go, the more time you give your body to adapt to the new altitude. And we've e even on the slow days where we would climb maybe 300, 400 feet, 500 feet. Um, but then we'd get to camp early, maybe have lunch if it's an early day. And then we go and hike another 300 feet up mm -hmm. and hang out for half an hour, 45 minutes to acclimate to that higher altitude. Right. And then climb back down to camp. And we felt much better because we had been to that higher altitude. They do the same when they climb Mount Everest. I mean, a lot of people think you start at the bottom and you hike up until you reach the top. Not the case. You're, you're climbing up, you're climbing back, you're climbing up, you're climbing back to acclimate to the altitude. And I, I kind of um, think about business like that. If your goal is to do 20 telephone calls a day, say you want to talk with 20 clients, or you want to do 20 cold callings a day, mm -hmm. take a few days and do 30 calls or do 40 calls. Yeah. Then when you do 20, it's like you're, it's like a vacation day. So when we went, Josh and I went and saw you uh, give this presentation that stuck with me. And I actually did that for networking meetings. Like that's why I said, I'm going to start going to five a week so that I can, cause I knew I really wanted to do like two or three a week, but I was like, I'm going to do a five a week. I did it for like a month and it kind of got me in that rhythm of always being in networking meetings. And now I'm back down to two and it feels like just a regular part of my life. Oh, that's great. But I think if I would have started at two, I would be doing less than one a week right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that, that point really stuck with me. That was a good point. Yeah. Great. Got to acclimate to the, to the atmosphere. The Sorry. ripple effect of your journey. See, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> spreading it. <laughs> So it took seven, eight days to get to the top? So it took seven and a half days to get to the top. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, we spent about 20 minutes at the top 
And then it took two and a half days to climb down. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said you met your guide, like that was a trigger word for me because I like to help people with their branding and stuff too. And Josh and I love the idea of like using the, the fundamentals of storytelling to help people understand what makes good business practices. And that, that idea of meeting your guide is like a part of every movie. You meet the person that's done it before. And it's usually the catalyst of the journey. It's uh, like when uh, Marty McFly meets Doc, like <laughs> okay. he, Doc's done it before. He's gone to time travel and he can show him how to do it. Or when uh, uh, Keanu Reeves' character in the Matrix uh, meets uh, Fishburne yeah, and uh, Morpheus. And um, this is the guy that has seen reality and, and showed him that. And I think that's a huge step that I notice local businesses when I'm helping them out. They miss that understanding that they're the guide for their customers. Right. They're the catalyst for their, I've, I've done this. I've solved this. Let me show you how. And then let them be the hero in the story. Because the guides climbed the mountain a hundred times. He don't care when he gets to the top. But for the people that are getting to the top, for them, they want to be the victor. They want, I did it. That's the, that's the mentality. Mm. And um, I was just giving a talk at our, our BNI group about this principle that I learned from uh, Donald Miller's book, Story Brand. And I really believe, and I've seen it happen so many times that when businesses, or if you as a business owner position yourself as the hero in the story and not the guide, you're positioning yourself as a competitor to the, your customers because mm -hmm. they want to be, the, everybody's life is viewed through the lens of they're the hero of the story and will they succeed or will they fail? And to just come in and say, I'm going to solve it for you. Here's all my benefits. Here's all my features is a, is a recipe for a disaster on a website. Um, it doesn't really move people down the, the path. It doesn't help them engage. And I think that that's so cool. And I bet that's when it became really real when you met your guide. Like, I bet that was the catalyst to be like, oh, we're climbing this mountain now. Like, this is happening now. This, this guy's going to take yeah. us there. Mm. That's the last step. <laughs> we're not getting out. It's happening. Mm. Right. So it was very important. MC told us he had climbed the mountain and summited the mountain more than 170 times. Yeah. I'm viewing wow. him in my mind as MC Hammer. Just oh, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dancing right up that mountain. Yeah. <laughs> He's shuffling sideways yeah. up the mountain. Big baggy pants. <laughs> That's right. He's got all your rice and all your gear inside of his pants. Yeah. I love it. It's probably exactly how it happened. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. So he gave us the confidence yeah. that, that we knew we were going with someone who, who had done this many, many times mm -hmm. with many, many different people from young, from teenagers up to 80 yeah. year olds. I think that's such an important business principle. People don't realize that that's part of what as a business owner, that's part of the value. Like you've done this so many times, it becomes old hat to us. Like Josh makes fantastic videos or helps companies uh, with their content creation strategies. It seems pretty easy and mundane because he does it all the time. But for people that just need that, like that's like such a big deal. Yeah. And they're like, they're looking for somebody to show them how to do it for themselves. Yeah. And that's the value. I don't, I think we, we often get confused about what the value is. I think you're right. Cause because it becomes so easy for us. Yeah. Cause we've done it so many times, but mm -hmm. back in the beginning, it wasn't so easy. Right. And people don't want to pay to learn or they don't want to pay in their time and their effort to become the expert that you've become in your field. That's why they want to give you money. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to invest the next, you know, 10, 15 <laughs> years of their life into learning how to get good at what you've gotten good at. That's yeah. right. That's the joy of being able to hire people to do things that are better than you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Great. All right. So you, you've gone up, you've gone down. Tell us about what getting to the top was like. So we started at four o'clock in the morning. I started climbing four o'clock in the morning. It's dark. We've got flashlights. We've got headlights, um, a flashlight, headlights. What do you call those? Those, you know, those flashlights you strap to your head. Yeah. You know, 
Strap-ons. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. We'll just go with that. Oh, okay. So you're walking up. It's 4 a.m. We got a strap. MC yeah, Hammer. It's got a strap on. Sorry. Lights. <laughs> lights. We got lights, lights. Lights. Strap on lights. Correct. And we, we started out, there was no snow. Uh, very shortly, about two hours into it, there was snow. It took us about 10 hours to get to the top. Thanks. We stopped, had some lunch. Um, it wasn't very cold, although there was a lot of snow. Mm. And especially the last hour and a half. There was a lot of snow as we got up to the crater and then we could see over the other side and we could see the crater and we could see the top of the mountain over to our left, lots of snow, very white. And we took a rest there, acclimating to the altitude. And then we started off again, holy poly, slow, slow, <laughs> just taking little steps, going little by little up to the top of the mountain. And it was just exhilarating to yeah. be up there. It really was. Uh, fantastic view, um, just beautiful. And, and the fact that we made it, yeah. the celebration of arriving to the top seven and a half days of sleeping in a tent, of eating in a tent, of going to bathroom in a tent, all that stuff. And, and we finally made it to the top. Yeah. Yeah. That was just amazing. I bet there was a lot of photos up at the top. Lots of photos. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes of photo taking basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That would suck if you forgot a battery. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> we made it to the top. Did you bring a camera? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. what, base camp. You know, you had to keep your phone next to your body. You didn't want it on the outside of your clothes because the cold, they would freeze. Right. Yeah. right. So you got to think of all of that. Mm. Yeah. It's been so, speaking of phones, it's been so hot here lately. Have you guys seen that error on your phone where it just overheats? Uh, I haven't been leaving mine in the sun, Joe. Have you? Just a couple of times. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's been like 97 highs around here lately. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine phones, I wonder if iPhones have like a cold thing when they shut off because they have yeah. a hot warning. They do have a hot warning. I don't know about the cold warning. We uh, did not see one. Well, let's try this. If you're listening, stick your phone in your freezer and let us know in the comments. <laughs> Give it half an hour. <laughs> Give it half an hour. Leave Turn it on. That's yeah, all a great idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> You were able to document it. That's that's the main thing. I mean, you took a picture and all that stuff, and you lived to tell about it. Yes. <laughs> How long were you guys Mostly on the summit? 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, just 20 Did you minutes. find that to be crazy, spending all that time and effort to get up there, and everybody's like 20 minutes, and they're like, ah, I'm over it. <laughs> well, I don't know if we were over it, but it was a long day, and we were very tired, and we had to hike yeah. down again. It was more but, about doing it than spending time up there. Right, exactly. How so many people could fit up there? Oh, the summit was pretty big, actually. Was it? There. Yeah. Probably fit 50 people up there. They'd get in each other's way, but you could fit 50. Yeah. Um, we were alone with the guides. There were probably 12 of us, 13 of us up there at that time. Wow. Plenty of space. Man, I, I love stories like this where it's like, we had this idea and then we did it. That's the part that a lot of people don't do. And then we did it. Like, Because yeah. we're pretty good at coming up with ideas. And that's one of the big reasons Josh and I started the podcast is because we... We had the tagline in our mind, you know, get unstuck, tell a better story. And I love that. Um, so we sitting in a bar, let's climb the mountain. And then we did it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think are some of the, I'm just, if you could give people advice on how to turn their ideas into reality, what are some of the things that, that maybe you learned from your story that, that made it happen? Like what made it become a reality for you guys? It was, I think, the adventure. It was the teamwork. It mm -hmm. was knowing that it was going to be difficult. Yeah. Knowing that there were going to be challenges ahead, but we could overcome those challenges. Right. And it would be something that we would do and have the memory of. I mean, that's with us. Nobody's ever going to yeah. take that away. Did you think you were going to learn as much from it as you did? 
No. I thought I was going to go hike a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I had much thinking other than that and that adventure. Yeah. Um, it, it, I have an adventurous family. Right. So we, we do things like that. That yeah. is the crazy thing about adventure because a lot of our lives is, is just pretty, you know, regular. It's pretty like we ate breakfasts. I woke up this morning and I did an errand um, kind of stuff. But the things that really make a difference the things that last, I suppose, the, the memories that we carry for a long time are the adventures. And that's, uh, my wife is doing something really cool right now with my high school daughter. She decided that when the girl's going to high school, she's going to do a trip. So she's asking them, what do you guys want to do? And they're doing like a five day trip and doing it. And to me, like that's, that's going to be memory building. I yeah, think they're going to awesome. remember that for a long time because it's out of the, it's out of the ordinary. It wasn't just a passing idea, but they're doing it. They're there right now. They're going to Washington DC. Casey or my, my oldest daughter, Katie is really into history and stuff. So she's excited to go to all the museums and the Smithsonian and all that cool stuff. Most of what we do, I think is mundane. Yeah. Um, even in business, even in life, they're, they're mon mundane, repetitive activities. Mm -hmm. It's stepping out of that getting out of your comfort zone is getting out of the regular and it takes time and it takes effort and right. it takes thinking about it because if you don't plan to do something like that, mm -hmm. you're just going to go on doing what's easy. You're going to go on doing what's comfortable and you're not going to have the stories to tell. Yeah. And I, I think, um, riding a bicycle, I like to ride a bicycle. We talked about that earlier. Um, that's an adventure. I look at that as an adventure every day. If you're out on the road or you're, you're on the tobacco trail or you're, yeah. you're in, in the woods, mm -hmm. um, it's an adventure and you see a lot, you can see nature, you see birds, you yeah. see little animals, you see snakes, things like that. Four wheels move the body, two wheels move the soul. Hey, I like right? that. You never heard that? No, I never heard that. No kidding, man. Come on. Really? <laughs> I felt like I almost me? made progress this morning talking my wife into a motorcycle. So honey, when you're listening oh, to this, yeah. I felt like you were, you were breaking down a little bit there. She might and closer to letting uh, me buy a motorcycle. Take it easy. She might discourage you from hanging out with me, Joe. Maybe she thinks I'm a bad influence because I'm telling Joe to get a motorcycle. Uh -huh. A lot anyway, of fun. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Bicycles. Yeah. Love it. I just started reading, uh, the, and I hadn't read it before and it must've been something that I skipped in high school or don't remember, but I just started reading Walden, um, Henry David Thoreau. Have mm -hmm. you guys read this book? It's Walden. super challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not an easy read. No, it's, I mean, it's challenging like personally because like the principles that he's bringing up are like, Oh gosh, it reminded me of like four hour work week. It's like, this is what everybody's doing, trying to get ahead. And there's a giant flaw in the system. <laughs> like you could end up working your whole life to own a house. Is that really what you want? Right. Uh, <laughs> if you want to look back at the end of everything and be like, well, I'm sure you own this house pretty good. And then yeah. that's it. <laughs> so, so it's about the stories you want to tell, right? The stories you want to tell and how you want to be remembered. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about thinking and, and working with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. What's the why? And I, re I remember talking to someone and he told me a story of a guy he knew who worked a, a fairly mundane job, was enough to have a house and raise some children, yeah. but he was a bowler and he used to bowl and there's nothing wrong with bowling. Mm -hmm. you know, bowling's kind of fun. I like to do it myself. And this guy was serious about bowling. Numerous nights a week, he'd be out bowling. He'd be leaving work early, you know, couldn't take that promotion because, you know, it might interfere with his bowling. Yeah. So he never really made a lot of money, but he had a whole lot of trophies. And one day his child asked him, he said, dad, how come we can't go on that vacation? How come I can't go to that, that high level school like my friend is going to? And dad would say, I just never did that. But look at all these trophies I have. Mm. 
And so you got to think about what was really important. Well, obviously to that guy, it was having the trophies. That was a story either by default or by design that he wanted to tell. Yeah. Is it the story that you want to tell? What story do you want to tell when it's done and over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good reminder. I mean, how do we kind of put triggers in our life to remind us to stop and evaluate that question? Cause I don't think you're done with it ever. I find this to be true. The older I get, like I can accidentally misspend a month, like where, <laughs> you know, yes. like in high school, a month felt like a really long time, but now it's like a year can fly by. Right. Or you think about the, how fast my kids have grown up and it's like, it just goes so fast. And if we're not intentional about setting those uh, milestones and saying like, now these are the things, um, how do you regularly start doing that thing? And we've used the analogy on the show before of like writing a book, like you might not be an author at all, but if you start writing and you write once a week and then that turns into every day and then a year from now you publish a book, you're an author. Mm -hmm. And, but it doesn't happen like, like a name it, claim it, like I'm an author now. Like there's work behind it. What do you really want to do with your life? Once you get that answer, you need to be in the habit of doing those things, doing the kind of things like that, that life would do. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of times we look at people and we see them as successful. We say, oh man, I want to be like him. I want to be yeah. like her. And we don't realize they hadn't always been like them. Sure. There was a beginning you know, you look at the actors. Oh my God, that's great. I'd like to, you know, be that actor and have that money and that fame and everything. But you don't look 15, 20 years ago when they were struggling to pay acting classes and working at night to, to wait tables and right. going to auditions and getting turned down. There's a lot of that back end work that we don't see. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd like to have it right now. And that's the mundane stuff, but it's, that's like right. the necessary mundane stuff. <laughs> that's, that's the building. Yeah. That's the building. The tallest building in New York first had the biggest, deepest hole in New York. Yeah. Mm. I heard, I heard this in this book, this quote in a book called Atomic Habits. He was talking about successful business owners and he says, the ones that are successful have the highest tolerance for boredom. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Because you got to stick with it (laughs) and you got to do the thing every day, even when it's boring. I see the, I can see the excitement in Josh's face right now. (laughs) Can you? I'm just thinking about my own threshold for boredom. And you know, it's true. When, when, but when you have a passion, when you have a goal, when you have a vision, it gives you the fuel to get through the boredom because you remember that goal, like that picture you're saying, having that picture mm-hmm. and remembering, right? Right. Yeah. So, so while we were climbing the mountain and the objective and the goal was very clear, it was one goal, one objective, get there. the top. Yeah. That's right. Get there. And we didn't always see the mountaintop. What we did see were our footsteps. We saw the next step. Yeah. So we had our, our focus and our mind's eye on the mountaintop, Mm -hmm. but we had our focus in that moment on the next step. And that was really important because we didn't always see the mountaintop. So we had to keep it in our mind and that boring step after step. I mean, we're talking four hours to seven hours, eight hours a day, even more on the last day of hiking and walking through these different terrains. Right. Most of that time was kind of boring. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, you come up with a new, a new plant that we saw or a new terrain. And that was exciting. We, we used that to, to motivate us. And then we'd stop and take pictures, of course, because everyone has a phone. Yeah. And you get back and you're like, why don't I have 18 pictures of this flower? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the motivation is keeping your eye and your mind's eye on where you're going and what the end result is. Yeah. But focus today on those steps that are going to get you there. Yeah. I think as a business owner, like I've really, from going from the transition of about six months ago, I was working for somebody else. And so I was in a kind of traditional job and then transitioned into a business owner operator kind of position. And that change really made very clear to me the difference between like having a goal and not having a goal. Like it's really easy as an hourly employee to be like, today's goal, go to work. <laughs> yeah. Show and up. work. I'm going to work. Yeah. And it's kind of a very lazy goal. <laughs> it's, but like you were talking about, like everybody shared the goal of getting to the mountaintop, like as a business owner, like just making some money today isn't the same as like getting to the mountaintop. It's not, it's not a destination. And I think if we don't set kind of d real destinations for ourselves, like you were talking about, like, I want to get my business to the point where I can grow it. And what a goal like that does will let you hook on a lot of other goals to it. So I need to get going on my processes. I need to grow my book of business to this amount per month. And I need to, and you can kind of reverse engineer. Right. But I find like, as in, in my business, like if I, if I didn't have very specific goals for myself, it'd be really easy just to slip into like, and then I worked this month and I made what I made and, but it's not getting me closer to an ultimate goal. And I think that's probably a big part of why mastermind groups are such a good idea because they help you break that up and somebody's going to call you on that and be like, why are you working so hard? Um, right. What's the plan? Well, I want to work really hard so that later I can retire. Okay. What do you want to do when you retire? I don't know, man, you need a plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. See, it's, it's always good not to retire from something, but to retire to something. Mm -hmm. And that keeps you going. Um, after retirement, you know, the statistics of people who retire and don't have a plan and don't have something to retire to an activity, uh, uh could be a charity, could be another business, could right. be a hobby. Could be fishing. Yeah. Could be, yeah, sure. Why not? The statistics of the people of how long they survive after retirement is dismal, but the people who retire to something because they have that hobby and it could be as, as simple as going fishing. Yeah. Um, they live a whole lot longer. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a more exciting life too. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. connected to something they're passionate about. Right. Right. They're just not sitting on the rocket chair <laughs> on the front porch. <laughs> so if you are a business owner in the triangle, like how can, how do they get a hold of you, Joe? If they're saying, man, this guy, I would like to talk to him about my business. What's a good way to get in contact I with you? I think the, the best way is to get on my website, eaglebusinessservices.com. There's certainly how to get in touch with me. There's, there's articles and blogs and shortly there'll be videos up there. Um, have a look, see if, if it resonates with you. If, if the way I think about things and the way I do things, the way I talk about things resonates with you. Yeah. And if that's the case, let's have a conversation. Yeah. yeah I, I love talking about business. I, I don't really follow sports. <laughs> I, I would rather talk about business. Yeah. I, I never really made space for sports in my brain. What about you, Josh? Are you a sports guy? Yeah, I like to play softball now that I'm older and, you know. I, I was just and, explaining that to my yeah. my youngest daughter. She was like, do guys play softball? And I said, yeah, they do when they get dad's age. And she's like, what, like, <laughs> like a single dad league? And I'm like, I don't know they have to be single. I'm just saying <laughs> most guys switch from baseball to softball at a certain age. <laughs> yeah, that's the only team sport I play. I mean, I, dream, I daydream about like being on an ultimate Frisbee team, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then like flag football would be fun. But I just pretty much like you, Joe, I like to ride my bicycle. Yeah. go out there jam to some music or a good audio book and ride the trail excellent you know excellent. yeah yeah well, i've been 
thinking I should do some kind of like rec league kind of thing like you're talking about with softball. Yeah. Where it's with just, softball, specifically softball. It could be softball. I mean, I don't stink at baseball. Yeah. You uh, guys know my softball <laughs> story, right? You don't, do you know? I, I, know I don't you know. know. I never heard it. I was on a wait list. So I played in California on a photographer's league, rock and roll photographers. I was the only one that wasn't sleeved in tattoos and half of them were smoking during the game. And we still, <laughs> we still won like all the time. It was awesome. So I, I like that fueled me. So when we moved back to North Carolina, it's also signed, the most well-documented softball league. Yeah, yeah totally, totally, totally. <laughs> Missed those guys so much. OTMFC. Um, so uh, when I came back here, I thought a great way to plug in with folks is to get on a softball team and, and carry. So I missed the deadline and was put on a wait list. So there were like, and then I watched the money money ball, the movie money ball. Yeah. So I had this idea in my head, like just make my own team and just run. So I, <laughs> I got this email from the town of Cary that said, you, you're not on a team, but you're on a wait list of 13 guys. You guys do what you want. You can form a team. So I immediately replied to that email, took the initiative and formed a team called the Jericho seven film softball team. And, um, no idea what I was doing administratively, but I did it. And we want, we went on to win the regular season championship and the tournament championship. Nice. And that was just a mind blowing and awesome thing. It sounds almost yeah. like a movie I saw one time <laughs> of kids playing baseball and yeah, yeah. bad news bears. Yeah, yeah that's right. They came from nothing. They were, they were the rejects. They were, yeah, they, we were the rejects, get, man. Couldn't get on a team. That's the, that's the quintessential <laughs> awesome part of it is that we were rejects, you know, and then the rejects, because the rejects had the passion. We were on the wait list. Yeah. I got we, something to prove. We wanted to play. Yeah. We weren't just, I'll come back another. Yeah. So, and I made some great contacts. Like, Todd Atkins of Atkins Wearing. If you need a TV hung up on your wall, call Todd Atkins of Atkins Wearing. That's yeah. cool. There you go, Todd. Plug in you. Nice plug. <laughs> so if you're local in the in the triangle around here, uh, let's just do let's just plug some networking stuff that we think is great. Like what if some stuff that you guys have been to that you find really enjoyable? For me, I'll start. There has been, uh, I started going to Rockstar events. Have you guys heard of these guys on Meetup? I have heard oh, of those yeah. guys. Yeah, you should, yeah. You should look them up. They're fantastic. They normally have a pretty big draw and uh, I really enjoy them. Yeah, they're great. Usually at night, right? Yeah, and they're, they're nationwide too. Yeah, yeah, they are. Normally there's some kind of appetizer or beer or something along yeah. those lines. And they too. started here in the Triangle. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, they're nationwide now. So th that's a really good one. Uh, one that I participate in is the Triangle Business Breakfast at the Maiden Inn. In Cary, it's eight o'clock every Friday morning. Yeah. Hmm. That is where I met the owners of Vibe, which is where we're currently sitting. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff like you just never know when you go out and you meet people intentionally and try to ask them, you know, how can I help? You end up in a situation where, you know, you get great opportunities. Yeah. Right. For me, I guess the only thing I'm doing right now, and I'm about to step it up, is that I've been committed to my BNI group for over a year now, and it's 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 a, such a been a great such a great foundation for. Yeah, you just went on uh, Mike Manning's podcast. I was on How Mike was Manning's that? BNI podcast. I had like I was the fiftieth or fifty first <laughs> guest, and and I hit we had eleven thousand four hundred and fifty five viewers. Wow, it was a live episode. Yeah, who woo. Joe was on it. I was on it. It was fun. It was just such a unique and great experience. Props to you, Mike and Anmon and. Yeah, it was good. So BNI has been a great foundation to, to meet folks and learn about giving and how to help others and how to listen for cues that can help others. Mm -hmm. Like if a business is going to be sold or somebody's thinking, I think Joe. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Great. And they're national also. They're, they're international. They're international. Yeah. yeah. Started in wow. Pasadena, California, 1984. Wow. How cool is Amazing. that? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And they have a podcast too, BNI podcast. Yeah. Anyway. Plug. Awesome, man. Nice. Plug. Yeah. Excellent. 
I really enjoyed talking with you, Joe. Hey, yeah. Thanks great. for taking yeah, the time and coming out and hanging out and talking to us. My pleasure. I really it's love the story about Kilimanjaro. I love the so idea good. of wrapping business principles in something that makes it memorable. Because yes. I feel like I can recall that and it makes it easier for me to learn and digest that information. So thanks for sharing yeah. all that. So, so let, me, um, let me give myself a plug here. I'm available to speak about that also at the groups like the speech that you've heard yeah um at business lessons learned on mount kilimanjaro i, I love talking about it it kind of gives me an opportunity to relive that right but i see a lot of people can identify with that Jerry's right. awesome super yeah. thank, thank you guys thank you Jay. appreciate it man this was a lot of fun thanks guys yeah yeah great and thanks for Fantastic. listening everybody love the blue shoestrings joe oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for listening do this stuff